This is episode 78 of the CB Northwest and Camp Tadmore Events podcast. We're continuing with Men's Roundup 2010 with Bill Thrall. This is session three from Saturday night. You know what my, uh, what my custom is, is I like to ask you as an audience of men, what in the world have you heard this character say to you so far? What have you heard me say? Anybody, just raise your hand. Don't shout out because I can't hear you all. Just, yes, please. You've, you've heard me share some truth. Well, that's important. Thank you. Somebody else. Yes, sir. We all have our schemes. We all have our schemes. We talked about that this afternoon. Yes, sir. There's hope. There's hope. I want to pause there. Listen, guys. Don't make Jesus so far away. He's not touching you. He's ever present with you. Today, right now, this moment. He's our hope. Somebody else, what have you heard? Please. Trust. We've heard a lot about trust. Yes, way in the back there. Yeah, right there, this young man. Yeah, you. What's that? Go ahead, this young man right here. Humility, we talked about humility. Somebody, you remember what we said humility was? What is humility? Trusting God and others with me. It's not some super spiritual badge. It's a practical reality. Without the experience and expression of trust, I will never experience or express humility like ever. Two more men. What have you heard me say? Forgiveness. We've talked about forgiveness. We talked about integrity. Remember what we said about integrity. Remember this. Your integrity is never for your sake. Your integrity is for the benefit of everyone you influence. Wow. Wow. What I want to do tonight is I want to talk with you about the second uh, stage in, in what we call protective love. I, I spend most of my time trying to figure out how can we make grace practical? How does grace become something we experience? Not just a, a theological truism, but, a, but an, actual, an actual principle of truth from God that we can experience. So one of the things I'm learning and I want to share with you tonight is the second stage. I wonder if we could just put that up. I'd like to read that with each of you. Let's just read that. It's in your notebook, but let's just read it. I want, to, I want you to read it with me. Encountering God's protective love in my key relationships who ask for permission to access my life in exchange for their protection. A lot of words. Very important words. Let me remind you by reading some of the things that Jesus said. Let me just remind you. 
This is my commandment, that you love one another as I loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I'm kind of thinking that to Jesus, love was like a big deal. What do you think? I kind of think that maybe, maybe even at the very core of his ministry was this principle of love. It's kind of interesting to me how little we know about how to experience each other's love. So tonight I want to talk with you about an exchange. I'll read it again. Encountering God's protective love in my key relationships who ask for permission to access my life in exchange for their protection. So this is the first point on that outline. The protector touches my life with a jealous for me love. A jealous for me love. It is protection versus control. I can best illustrate this, I think, if I come down into the audience and wonder where my favorite guinea pig is. Here he is. <laughs> but you're too far away. I'll pick on Dave. Now, now watch this. In Exodus chapter 34, when God gave to Israel the law the second time, The first time he said to Israel, said to Moses, tell Israel, I am that I am, Jehovah. And the second time he said, tell Israel that I am a jealous God. And that I have for them a jealous for them love because they are mine. And a jealous for love is a protective love. A jealous for love is a love that stands against for your benefit. Let me show you this. Control is this. I stand over Dave doing my best to make sure he doesn't screw up too much. Because if he screws up too much, it reflects on me. And I don't want him screwing up. Because I don't want people to think that I have a bunch of screw-ups in my church. So I control him. And I teach him sin management to keep his sin under control. And how am I doing? Not too good. Not too good. Listen, guys. Not, not too good. That's control. Guys, it never works. It never works. I want to say something to all of us about God and his love and his protection. Do you understand, men, that when we do not trust the love of God, we fear his authority? Because we're afraid he wants to control us. I want to say this to his dads. Make sure your children 
Trust your love so they won't fear your authority. Your greatest responsibility as a dad is to love your kids, not lord it over them. Remember that. Watch what protection is. This is control, but watch what protection is. When I stand alongside my brother because I love him, I stand against those things to which he is vulnerable. When God worked with Israel and he told Israel that I was a jealous for them God, he warned them. He told them if they would not let him love them, they would become vulnerable to every form of evil. Even the offering of their children to idols. And I'm sure they all said in the wilderness, we ain't ever doing that. And yes, they did. I don't know Dave real well. I don't have a clue where he's vulnerable, but I know he is. Because I know he's a human being who loves Jesus. But I'll tell you what, if I'm going to have a relationship with him where I get to protect him, it's when we get to know where each other are vulnerable so we can stand with each other against those things to which we're vulnerable. Brothers, we need each other to stand shoulder to shoulder. We need it. I need to know him well enough that I can, quote, protect him. But I can't protect him if I don't know where he's vulnerable. Can I? No. Neither can you. We have lost our way, men. I'm telling you, we have lost our way. The majority of the church does not know how to give and receive love. They've never even thought about protecting each other. It's not control. It's not control. It's not authority issues. It's not lording over. It's standing alongside. I need men to stand shoulder to shoulder with me where my stuff is in front of us and your stuff is in front of us. And we get to protect each other's weaknesses. I don't know who added it to the spiritual gifts, but somewhere several hundred years ago, somebody added the gift of criticism. And we've mastered it. Listen very carefully. Could we stop doing something? Could we just stop reminding each other how screwed up we are? And could we stand with each other in spite of the fact we are? Look at the next point. It says that the protector stands alongside me. My sin is in front of us, not between us. I wrote these words about me. I need to be embraced by someone I trust. Someone who believes in me. Who can bring me to light so I can learn to trust truth. 
Let me say that again to you. I, Bill, need to be embraced by someone I trust who believes in me, who can bring me to light because I'm in hiding so I can learn to trust truth. I've talked to you this weekend about the miracles of a place called Calvary. One of the miracles of the place called Calvary is that Jesus Christ demonstrated that he had power over all sin in that place. I need to believe that's true. Now listen, I know it sounds silly to me for me to say it this way, but let me say it. The reason Jesus Christ died for every sin is because I cannot handle any sin. Do you understand what I just said? The reason that Jesus Christ died for every sin is because I cannot handle any sin. Sin management, brothers, is a farce because sin cannot be managed. We have to be able to understand how critical it is that we are able to come alongside each other and embrace each other and bring each other to truth. Because only grace can break the power of sin. And as I said this afternoon, many of you weren't there. I'll just share with all of us this truth. Brothers, whenever I hide from you, or you choose to hide from each other, two things are always going to be true. Your character will be thwarted, and you will become addicted to whatever you're hiding. It's a double whammy. It's imperative that we learn how to come alongside each other. Husbands, it's really important. It's really important that your wife trusts you because you've learned to hide nothing. I say to you pastors and elders, the greatest gift you can give to a developing leader is to teach them to hide nothing. We do not fail as Christian leaders because our skill set gets broken. We fail, and by the way, the research will tell you that 50 to 64% of all Christian leaders fail. And believe me, it's not because their skill set gets broken. The number one cause of failure among Christian leaders is isolation. Their lives are hidden from anyone's access. 
Here we go. The third point. The protector's humility creates a basis for mutual acceptance. In addition to 1 Peter, you might want to write under that one, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to write under that one the, the model of Jesus Christ who humbled himself and became obedient through submission to the cross. Uh, I, I don't know if you've heard anyone ever say this to you. The reason you're a Christian is because Jesus Christ humbled himself. I'll say it again, gentlemen. The reason you are a Christian is because Jesus Christ humbled himself. It's really important that we know something about his model. In order for us to offer a protective love for each other, it's really important that I know what it means to be a person who is trusting God and others so that you can trust me with you. Wow. The protector's humility creates a basis for mutual acceptance. So here's one of Bill's one-liners. Truth without grace is informational and condemns us. Truth without grace is informational and condemns us. It is only truth and grace that inform us so we can be transformed and thereby healing us. The last point on this little outline says this. The protector is safe because the protector gives me the opportunity to hide nothing. Now think, think about what I'm saying here because I'm going to ask you men to think about doing something. I'm going to ask you tonight to think about doing something. The thing I'm going to ask you to think about doing is this. Before God, even right now, and tonight and tomorrow, I'd like you to think about, are you willing to become someone else's protector? Are you willing as a man who loves Jesus to stand alongside another man? Are you willing for their sake, like your Savior, to humble yourself? Are you willing to be trusted so that the other man doesn't have to hide from you? I think this is a really important point to God. I'm just going to suggest it. I think when he chose you, it was a big deal to him. I really do. You see, in the choice of God comes the protection of God. In the choice of God comes the protection of God because we are his. His jealous for love 
is in fact the result of his choice of us. You are mine, he says. I want to protect you. Would you let me? Would you as a man dare to trust God with all that is true about you? And that's what God wants us to hear, I think. As I think about understanding grace, I want to understand love. And so I think about it this way also. You and I, men, were created by God to be loved. We were created by the God of love to be loved. And he put within us needs to be loved. There are some really, really, really significant contributors to your wounding. One, of course, is your own sin. Another great source of wounding in each of us as men is the sin of others against us. But possibly the greatest source of our wounding is to not be loved. Remember what I said this morning. When I choose to not trust, I am choosing to not be loved. And I am putting myself in the vulnerability of a great wounding. God wants to love you. He created you to be loved. And this is the miracle again of Calvary. He gave you and me a new heart so that we could practice loving each other as a witness that we are his. So I'll ask you again, think about this. If you know that the man sitting next to you is a believer, count him as precious. If you know the man sitting next to you is a believer, count him as precious. And protect him because he's worth it. It is time for us men to stop walking away from those who need us the most. It is time we start walking toward each other and offering a protection. There's a second part to the exchange, and I want to make sure we cover it tonight. It's called Permitter's Heart. Because the exchange requires both protection and permission. It says this, encountering God's protective love in my key relations who ask for permission to access my life in exchange for their protection. This is a simple little process. It only takes a lifetime to practice. <laughs> simple little process. It goes something like this. I feel like picking on Dave tonight. Here it is. Gosh, I wish I could make these words exactly fit your understanding. I'll do my best. I have no access to this life without his permission. None. 
It is critical I know that. Brothers, it don't make a twit of difference how much you know about anything. Nothing is more important than what he needs to hear. Listen, let me say it to you again. What you know is never as important as what he needs to hear. And there's only going to be one way that I'll ever learn what he needs to hear. He's got to tell me. And until I have that permission from him, stop. Please stop bugging him because you're making him mad. You see, one of the great lessons we have to learn in order to be loved is we actually have to let somebody love us. Gee, what a brilliant statement. It's true. So much of our teaching has been on giving love. But what most of us need is to learn how to receive it. How in the world do I get love? You know, if we're all going to be lovers, there's got to be some love ease somewhere. <laughs> Somebody's got to get this love eventually. Brothers, this exchange is critical to practice grace. I need your permission to protect you. And you need my permission to protect me. So let's look at the first point. My permission is not an act of compliance, but of submission. Of submission. You know what compliance is, right? Let me tell you the penalty of compliance. Compliance is my willingness to do what you ask me to do, but I'm going to hold you accountable for what I've done. That's bad parenting, by the way. Your goal as a parent is not to get your kids to do what you want. Because they can be compliant. But I'll tell you what, you're going to weaken them. And they're going to hold you responsible for who they're becoming. Your job as a parent is to do something far more important than that. It's to earn your children's trust so with permission they will submit to you. Remember my story about my daughter and my son and my other daughter. I lost $70.50 in the deal, but I learned an invaluable life lesson. I learned to give my children access to me to tell me how I am affecting them. I gave them permission to tell me I'm protecting them. And then I did this. And by the way, I practiced this with those closest to me. You have permission to tell me how I'm affecting you, and I'm going to let you protect me in it. Thank you. And my children have learned to protect me. So I'm going to say something to you, man. Who's protecting you? 
Who's protecting you? Who have you given permission to what is true about you so they can protect you? Let me tell you what submission really is all about. Submission is this. Submission is my decision to come under your influence. Submission is my decision to come under your influence. When I give you permission, I'm going to, watch the words, I'm going to let you love me and protect me. Letting is submitting. I'm going to let it happen. Now, you may love me. Now, listen to my words earlier. The degree to which I trust you is the degree to which you can love me. Remember those words? Here's the next set of words. The degree to which I let those who trust me, excuse me, the degree to which I let those I trust love me. I got to let you do it. I'm going to say to us as adult men, most of us, there's a few younger men here, but most of us are adult men. These principles are not easy to learn as an adult. They're not easy to learn because we've never practiced them. So I want to tell you something. Would you kind of give your friends permission and you take permission? And what if we just did this kind of clumsily for a while? Because we don't know how to do it, so... Let's try it. We really screwed it up this time. But boy, is this important. Look at the next point. My permission goes beyond transparency to vulnerability. And I tell you why we make this distinction. Transparency is when I get to tell you what I want you to know about me. And some of us are great storytellers, and we got a lot of stuff we're going to tell. Uh, but I want to tell you something. That ain't vulnerability, and it isn't permission. It's just information. This is what vulnerability is. I'm going to tell you what is true about me, and I'm going to let you in on it. That's being vulnerable. I'm going to let you in on it. This is going to dump the data... I'm going to give you access to my person because it's true. That's what permission is. Permission to my person. I am so careful on this principle, men. I mean, I've talked to many of you today and last night. I've got a few men I said I'd meet with tonight. I search in almost every conversation for your permission so I can speak into what you're telling me. And when I'm not sure, I ask for it. Look at the next point. My permission is given to those who are willing to trust others with themselves. 
Who do I give permission to? I give permission to those who are what? Practicing trust. I say that to you men because in, in, a, in a lot of our teaching, we do have men and women come up to us afterwards and they say, whoa, I don't know who to give permission to. And so I'm kind of answering that. You give permission to those who are trusting others with themselves. And you say, there is nobody in my world like that. Then you be the first one for the benefit of somebody else. Then you be the first one. You clumsily open that door the first time and you be that guy. It's kind of interesting when we teach this process. Um, had it happen a couple times today, men will come up to me and sometimes women at our, when we do our marriage intensives, and um, <laughs> they'll say to me, do, do I need to tell my wife everything at one time? <laughs> and my answer is always the same, men. It's always the same. It's the wrong question. This is the right question. Why after being a Christian for 5, 10, 20, and 30 years do you have so much stuff that's hidden? That's the right question. What's wrong with your theology that gives you permission to hide who you are from those that love you? It's a theological question. It's important we learn to answer it. Gentlemen, it really is. We need to understand that grace is an exchange. What's your name, brother? Michael. Michael. It's an exchange. If Michael and I are going to share a relationship that's valuable, then I'm going to ask him, Michael, if I share with you, are you willing to protect me? And he needs to answer, and he just did yes. And I need to answer. Wouldn't it be great if we could have that kind of communication with each other as men so that we could learn to trust each other's willingness? I'm going to give you a super negative. I'm sorry. power of sin is broken when it's brought into the light. Listen carefully. Your commitment of protective love for your brother does not make you your brother's counselor. Many of us today in the church sit because we think we're ill-equipped to deal with the real issues in people's lives and we send them to experts. Wrong. Wrong. Terribly wrong. Jesus didn't say, the world will know you are my disciples because you're experts in psychology and you can really help the other guy because you become an expert. It's, it's, it's way off base. Two major studies have been done. Major studies. 
hundreds of people involved. To the integrity of the psychologists and their society in Florida, they did a test of 1,200 people. And they put 600 people who needed help into rooms and into situations with qualified psychologists. And they came up with an incredible formula. And they discovered that those people, those 600, had a wellness coefficient of 3.0, whatever that means. And the other, the other 600 people just meet with people. We're just people. Some of them were janitors in the buildings these people came in to work with, receptionists. They just met with them. And after six months, that group's quotient of wellness was 3.0. This is what they concluded. The greatest single contributor to the wellness of these people was the attention of another human being. Guys, this is for real stuff. This is for real stuff. So as we share tonight, as I share, I, I want to be doing my very best to say to all of us, including the guy who's talking, Am I willing to make a decision before God to stand as a protector alongside another man? Second question. Am I willing to stand before God and give someone else permission to who I really am? and asking in return for their protection. I want to suggest to you, if we practice this principle of exchange, we will begin to grow and mature and get healthy. And I'll keep saying it as long as you let me say it, brothers. We were designed of God to be loved. And he gave us each other because we need each other. As I get a chance to go to a lot of different places, as I get a chance to sit across the table, as I've said, or across my living room and I sit with leaders and their families, My greatest, my greatest goal is where I started with you last night. I'm asking God to teach me so that I can help others learn this reality. Our theology has to touch our reality or we don't understand grace. Grace is lived out in relationship with God and others. Grace that is lived out in relationship with God and others is expressed in love. 
<laughs> it sounds crazy, but it's true. Without my permission, God and you cannot love me, no matter how much love you have for me. We've said a couple of times this weekend, and some of you may be sitting here and you've not yet decided about your own relationship with God. Let me tell you something that many of us in this room know. God loves you and Jesus died for you. God desperately wants to have a relationship with you because he's chosen you for himself. You have to decide if you're going to let him or not. And some of you as Christians have sat for a long time pretty dysfunctional because you haven't learned how to let that man sitting next to you into who you really are. And so we know we're going to heaven, but life's a lot less than we hoped it would be. It doesn't have to be this way, guys. We can experience love if we just can practice these kind of things that I'm trying to teach you. And I'm a person, as I close tonight, I'm a person and I want to just say to you, I'm not ashamed to tell you, man, I love to be loved. I'm not ashamed to tell you that. I love to be loved. I love to come along somebody who loves me enough to stand here with me and against those things to which I'm vulnerable. I love it. I'm never healthier. Never. You ponder these things. Think about the benefit of what I'm saying if you could practice them with your wife and children and your brothers in Christ. I want to pray for us again. Let me close with this prayer. <clears throat> Father, at least in my experience, I'm learning that most of us don't doubt at all that we're to love one another. Most of us don't know how to do it. So I just ask you, Lord, Spirit of God, would you teach us to have confidence in the love that you've given us? And may we, and I say it this way, Lord, of course, but even if we do it clumsily, would you help this group of men learn to give others permission so they could be protected? And would you teach them how to protect others who give them permission? Father, we are really needy. But we don't know how to say so. And, we, and our spiritual models sometimes get us all screwed up. Because we try to, we try to act really godly, whatever that means. And we're still kind of sick at the depth of our soul. Spirit of God, tonight, would you convince us 
that the grace of God expressing itself in love is greater than the power of any sin I've ever known. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I have another, uh, thank you. I have another exercise for you tonight as you leave. I want to explain it to you. It's a little different. It's called Ask Me Anything. Okay. You're, you're, you're catching it quickly. But it's, it's a very safe exercise. Please listen so I can explain it to you. You're going to get in your small groups of two to four or five. And you're going to do this. You're going to choose one of the guys, and you're going to say to the guy, let's say you choose Fred, whoever that is, and you put Fred's name on the top, and then everybody in the group asks Fred five questions about anything. And let's just say it's a group of three. So Fred's going to get ten questions from the other two guys. Now, here's the benefit of this tool. If it's a group of three, he gets ten questions. It's a group of four, he gets 15 questions. Here's the deal. Fred only has to answer two of all the questions he gets. And he gets to choose the two. It is an amazing tool, men. I really want to encourage you, practice it tonight. Practice it tonight. Ask each other anything. And let the Spirit of God open your hearts to each other.